Welcome to this edition of Community Matters Podcast, where we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institutes, Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. Today's topic is different from any previous episode of Community Matters Podcast. Traditionally, these programs have focused on issues specific to governing and managing a community association. But today we're going to talk about an important topic to anyone in this industry as well as others, and that's how to find the proper work-life balance. My guest today is Ryan Fleming, director of the Habitational Group with JGS Insurance, a 100-year-old independent insurance agency located in Holmdel, New Jersey, serving multiple industries, including community associations. You can visit them online at www.jgsinsurance.com. Ryan, thanks for joining me today. No problem, Tony. My pleasure. You want to uh, introduce yourself a little bit and, and tell us what exactly is a habitational group? <laughs> sure. Habitational group, um, basically a JGS insurance means anything that is community association related. HOAs, co-ops, community associations, condos, whatever it might be. So um, it's been my pleasure to be involved in this industry for a really long time. And uh, I'm now directing that ship in whatever direction we can make it go. Um, I've been in the insurance industry for about 17 years now. Um, I love it. I think it's what I was born to do. Um, so, you know, it's not really work for me. That's uh, That means it's something you enjoy because yeah. I feel the same way about what I do. Um, so, like I said in the introduction, this is a different topic than anything we've done before, work-life balance. Um, and we do get requests from our members to address these kinds of topics. So, we have work and we have life. Where's the dividing line? I love this question. Um, you know, I think it's a perfect place to get to get started. Um, there's varying opinions. I feel like mine's the only right one, but you know, most people probably feel that way. Um, the dividing line, I think, should be blurred. Um, that doesn't mean that you should always bring work home, or it doesn't mean that you should always um, yearn to get away from work and look for the weekend. So uh, what I tend to do is I tend to try to figure out how to make my work the enjoyable part of my week. So in essence, I'm not looking forward to the weekend. I'm just living life day by day, whatever it might be. So um, definitely not blurring, uh, blurring the line in between where I'm always working. But that being said, I'm always thinking of both. I'm always thinking of family life. I'm always thinking of of work because I love all of it. So, do you have a different mindset at home versus? I mean, if you're if you're blurring the line between work and home, how do you get into it? Do you get into a different mindset when you're in a work versus home? Yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody everybody does. Um, when you're at home, I mean, I have many more cocktails when I'm at home than when I when I'm at work. That's probably a good thing. Yeah, probably a good thing. <laughs> um, but. Uh, all kidding aside, um, I think I'm the same guy in both places, minus a couple of focal points. So for instance, I might be focused on um, developing relationships a little bit more at home than I am at work, where at work I might be focused a little bit more on accomplishing tasks, putting things to bed, and making sure that I have a productive day. So. My productivity is a little heavier focus at work. My personal relationship a little heavier focused at home. But 
it's the same person both ways. I'm doing both at, at, in both positions. So today's um, environment with technology, it's mm -hmm. constant. You know, your phone goes with you everywhere. You go on vacation. You know, let's say you go to Italy and you're walking around Rome enjoying yourself. And how do you resist the urge to look at the phone and look at your work emails um, when you shouldn't, you know, you're, you're on vacation, you shouldn't have to be doing that. It, how do you manage that divide? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, it, you know, in my position, uh, my wife's even worse than me. She, she runs a uh, nine subacute rehab buildings and her phone is attached to her hip. Uh, but um, I think in that scenario, a lot of times in a position where you have so much coming at you, it's anxiety uh, producing where you just want to get some of it off your plate because you know when you get back there's going to be a, a massive amount to right. do. Um, that being said, there will always be a massive amount to do. Always. So when you set up your guidelines, your own personal guidelines, your rules by which you want to play this game, which is, okay, I'm going to do this at this time of the day, I'm going to do that at that time of the day. If you can set up those guidelines, you can win this game. If there is no guidelines or rules, you can't win a game. Let's talk about soccer for a second. If there were no rules, how could you possibly beat the other team? So you have to set up those rules. And, and enforce them, obviously. And enforce or, or them. Or abide by them. <laughs> Whether you like them at every given time or not, you still have to abide by the rules that you set up in order for you to win the game for the long term. Right. If you have a short-term focus of, let me just get rid of some of this anxiety right now by answering my emails, my phones, and now blurring the lines, now I'm accessible in Italy on my vacation when I should be having pasta and wine. Exactly. You know, <laughs> Now all of a sudden you've broken your rules and you can no longer win your game. See what I'm saying? There's a lot of different personalities everybody has to deal with um, at work and at home. How do you deal with different personalities in your work environment? Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not going to try to beat anybody over the head with the Bible, um, but there is a verse that says, be all things to all men in order to win some. I subscribe to that. So I'm going to be whatever this situation needs me to be. Uh, I'm going to deal with that person the way they want to be dealt with as opposed to what the way I want to be dealt with. So um, I, have a, uh, I have a little seminar that I do about agendas. Um, it has a curse word in it, so I'm not going to say the curse word, but it starts with an F and then it says agenda afterwards. Um, we can abbreviate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the whole point of it is um, I think as people we tend to force our agendas down someone else's throat because that's what we need to get accomplished. And where we fail, and this is where we fail the relationship, is when we force our agenda across the table, we fail to consider that they have one first. So if we can address their agenda first and make sure that their needs are met first, now our agenda is on the table. Is there, uh, and it, what, what if one agenda is more um, important for lack of a better term or more urgent Depressing. than the other right yeah does that change the equation um, I don't think it does uh, I think I mean there's there's a lot of um, research on this thing called mirroring and also pacing um, and that's a basic technique where you sit down in front of someone and you mirror their body language and then you pace them to the point where they can they can be on your same page or they can be with you in a conversation 
So you can say as many things as you want. If you have no rapport and you're, they're not on the same page as you, then it's all going to fall on deaf ears. Meaning, if your agenda is pressing and you need to get it across the table, but they're not on that same pace or level as you are right now, their ears are closed and the agenda will not get accomplished. So I believe, first things first, build the rapport, make sure you provide value. And once you've provided the value and all parties in the room understand you've provided the value, then their ears are open to say, well, what can we do for your agenda? Okay. So tell me what gets you up in the morning. Well, what gets me up in the morning is routine. Um, it's pivotal, I think, in, um, again, we talked about winning the game. You got to set rules. Uh, you know, for me, I get up at 5.30 in the morning every day. I go to the gym. I get up I 10 minutes routine. before you, so okay. I got to beat there. <laughs> there you go. Five, yeah. So you have a routine. The whole point is I don't want to get up at 5.30 in the morning. The alarm goes off. I have a nine-minute snooze. snooze. Right. I hit the nine-minute snooze, and I go back to sleep. The second time I wake up is even harder than the first time it I wake is. up. It is. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wake up in the morning. I have my rules by which I have to operate so that I can be in my best state to perform for that day. So that's what gets me up in the morning, routine. What do you attribute your, your motivation to? What motivates you? Trials, tribulations, hardships that I've gone through in the past. Um, they've molded me into what I, I feel I am today and will continue to mold me into what I will eventually become. I feel like a, a lot of times people may look at their trials and tribulations as crutches their hardships as crutches. Well, look, this thing happened to me, and that's why I'm in this position. Well, I look at it, I look at it as the converse. This thing happened to me, and yes, that's why I'm going to be in that position. There are challenges, mm -hmm. and, and challenges help us grow. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. Um, let's talk about priorities. Um, who sets them? Hmm. That's a tough one. That's a, that goes back to... Um, how you run your day goes back to your rule structure. Um, your priorities first and foremost have to abide by your rules that you've made to play the game, right? So in any scenario, you have the rules. If these priorities come across your table and they don't fit within your basic rule structure of what your day is, I feel like your structure takes precedence. Now, um, everybody's gonna say that, we talked about this before about agenda, everybody's gonna say that their agenda is the most pressing. Does that mean that they always take priority? I don't think so. I think that's a short-term fix. I feel like your best state, your routine, your rules by which you're going to play the game, they always take priority. Then you can best perform to address the needs or the, agenda, the pressing agendas of everyone else. Is there ever a situation where you have to suspend your structures or your rules? I'm sure. Um, yeah. To, you know, something has to be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I so let's we'll back up even more with my introduction. So I have five kids. We're a blended family. Um, that's far too many kids, <laughs> uh, but it's absolutely wonderful. And there's things that pull me away of what my normal routine is. Right. Um, I struggle with that every time because I want those rules to be in place because I know in order for me to be the best me, I have to have this rule structure. Routine is, is what creates, it's, you know, it's the old story of the tortoise and the hare, right? The tortoise won because of his routine step forward, his constant progress forward. The hare was super fast for a second, then fell asleep and lost the race. 
So I feel anything that pushes you off of that tortoise-like progress, unstoppable in your resolve to move forward, those are the things that are going to stop you from being your best year. Have your rules ever been modified? Something happened that caused you to modify permanently mm. your, your rules? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, big, huge life things. A massive motorcycle accident did it. Um, that changed the way that I operate. Mm -hmm. um, gave me a, a reason to be more thankful for everything and everyone around me. My, uh, the owner of our company, Vinnie Hager, um, you know, I, I think after the accident, when I finally got my wits about me, I came into his office and I just lost it because I was so thankful for the fact that I've worked at JGS Insurance for so long and I don't think I've ever thanked him like that before. Um, and that changed the way that I operate. I feel uh, very strongly that we as human beings take for granted the relationships that we have around us the opportunities we have around us and we assume that we deserve them where the fact remains we do not deserve anything that we don't consistently work to keep right um, let me go off on a little bit of a tangent how did your accident how did your company and your how, how did your work and your life deal with that situation so that's where it blended the most um, I have to say my work was my work and then when I came home um, it was shut off work and I'm, I'm here specifically trying to shut off work and at home. It didn't necessarily mean at home building relationships and, and working on the best quality time I can with all five kids and my wife and everything. Um, it just meant there was a line at which the light switch got flicked off. And I think that's where I was failing, both, both sectors of my world. Right. So the second that accident happened, I realized that, wait a second, these people around me, whether it's work or, or home, they're all my people. They're my relationships. You know, like I, I talked about Vinny a second ago, you know, he and I have known each other for 17 years. He's one of the biggest influences of my entire life. So why does, why is that a light switch that right. I turn off when I get home? Right. Same thing with my wife. If, if that's my wife, how could I possibly turn that off during my day? So I started to say, well, I'm not turning either off. And now that's, it's blended where these relationships extend beyond home and work. Let's talk about big projects, whether it's a home project or, or a work project. I guess specifically work since we're, we're, we're talking professionally for the most part here. Um, do you have suggestions on how people can attack big projects? I do, yeah. So, I am a terrible multitasker. <laughs> Absolutely terrible, Tony. But at least you can admit it. <laughs> I, it's, it's all about being self-aware. I know where I'm really good, and I know where I'm really bad. <laughs> I'm really bad at most things, but those few <laughs> things that I'm really good at, you're really you know, good off at. to the races, yeah. So, multitasking is no good for me. When I have a big project on my desk, I need to laser focus. And so does that, that's one of your rules? Yeah, I need to, yeah. I gotta shut things off, whatever that means. You know, close a proverbial door or an actual door. You know, put in some headphones and, and just dive in. Otherwise, my work suffers and my ability to consistently self-motivate my way through the project, it just, it falters. Right. So um, I feel like, I feel like, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, for, of course, but um, even more so, 
you know, hyper focus on the on the big project. I think that's important. I think you definitely need quiet alone time for a lot of different reasons, but especially for working on a big project. Because you're right, if you can't focus on it, the end product is not going to be as good as it needs to be. Yeah, Tony, so true. I mean, I, I would love to know the data, whether or not Picasso sat in a room and painted for 36 hours straight, <laughs> or was distracted and came back to it. Well, there was fewer distractions back then, probably. He didn't have an iPhone yeah. in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But things like, you know, you're sitting at your laptop, um, and you get the chat notification or the email notification, sometimes it's best just to shut those programs down and deal with them later. Yeah, I don't hate that idea. Finish, yeah, until you finish the project. Mm -hmm. How can people find energy when it seems there's just none left for them to draw? Oh man, this is a, this is a heated topic. I get heated on this one. So this is science. And before we actually sat down, um, I think I said to you, I don't even know if we were recording at that time, but um, I said, listen, there's a lot of opinions out there, but mine's the only correct one. Yes. <laughs> of course I'm joking, but in this case, this is science. All right, so at our cellular level, so I, I just learned this actually last year when my son was going through science class and we had to do a cell theory project that talked about the, uh, the creation of a cell and how it starts to divide and grow into an organism. So at our basic cellular level, the process is it finds its original shape, okay, finds its basic shape, has a cell wall. At that point, it can do nothing until it goes to search for food. And, and it, in order to find the food, that's where it gets the energy. So at our cellular level, action comes first. So when, when we're finding um, uh, an issue with our energy, it 100% certainly comes from our, our activity level and our diet. So um, I believe that there's three versions of health. One is physical, one is emotional, and one is financial. I call it the triangle of health. I have this whole thing, you know, it's probably trademarked or some nonsense. <laughs> but at the end of the day, those three things are, are critically intertwined. All right, so everybody wants physical, emotional, and financial health. Right. The only way to start the process moving is to start with the physical. If you start with the physical, it improves your emotional state, which then the byproduct gives you a financial well-being. So if you're lacking energy, you're lacking movement and proper diet. That makes sense. Um, certainly makes sense. We can get uh, tend to get so overwhelmed these days. Like we talked about technology and, and the fact that it seems to never be turned off. Mm -hmm. Do you have any ideas on how our listeners can uh, manage being uh, overwhelmed or, or overcome the sense of being overwhelmed? Right. Yeah, I, I can. I mean, you know, I didn't even think it was going to go in this direction, but I, we keep talking about this, these rules that, by which we play the game. Um, I think that's really our, our strong point here when it comes to um, promoting a good work-life balance, um, managing your desk, building rapport with people. All of it comes back to what are your rules. So if, um, if you ever watched any of the... the uh, Superman movies or whatever, there's a time in which his senses start to come. And when his senses start to come, he can hear and feel everything. And it's completely overwhelming. So he eventually learns how to tune it all out and focus on what is 
what it is that he needs to accomplish. Right. I feel like it's it's a good metaphor for actual life. Here we are with all, with the world at our hands in our pockets, and all of the dinging and beeping and and vibrating and all of those things are designed to get our attention. Right. Physically designed to get our attention. So we're going to need to figure out a way to filter that out. Not address it all, filter it out. Just well, a lot way. of it doesn't even need to be addressed because it's just distractions. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We're constantly being distracted by trivial stuff. Yeah. We're CC'd on the world. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. You should trademark that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 5 o'clock or maybe 6 o'clock. I don't know. Whenever you you know, you know end your day. Um what tells you that it's that it's break time? That it's the clock has reached that hour where your workday is completed, um, and it and it's time to you know make that break between work and life. Are there telltale signs? Yeah, um, that's, that's tough. I mean, I think with everybody, it's totally different. Um, I think that quite often people tend to feel they deserve a break before they actually do. Um, I think if we could raise the bar as to what gives us the right to uh, shut down for a second, I think we can get a lot more accomplished. Um, for me, the clock does not tell me it's break time. Um, I, think, I think progress tells me it's break time. I think when I feel that I've made a progress that surprises myself. It's more than I expected. I, I need to exceed my, my own expectations and, and so should everyone else. Every day exceed your own expectations and then you deserve a reward of some sort. And that could become in the form of a break. Um, you know, maybe you go get yourself a Starbucks coffee or whatever it is. I, I used to wear a watch every day and I stopped. I wear it occasionally now. Mm -hmm. Do you think people are driven too much by the clock? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's certain things, like I said, routine, that of course you need the clock for, but I feel like the clock should, should just set the boundary lines. Okay, so this is the field on which you're going to play. You know, here's the 50-yard line. Here's the, that's your clock. But, you know, staring at the clock, looking for break time, or um, trying to click off what you feel is a is a, a marker during the day based on an hour. I don't know. I feel like you should be more task driven, and that's up for debate. But and I, I think it's certainly. Um, I think different types of people. You know, you talked in the beginning about really enjoying what you do, and you don't look at it as a as a job because mm -hmm. you enjoy it so much. And let's face it, not everybody looks at it that way. Mm -hmm. So that would certainly, you know, someone who looks at it as just a job, I'm here nine to five, so I get a paycheck every week, versus someone else who thoroughly enjoys what they do and looks at it as a, as a challenge or an opportunity as opposed to just a job, probably is going to be looking at a lot of these issues we just talked about very differently. Yeah, I think so. Tony, I, I, mean, I mean, let's think about that too. I mean, I, I know that there's millions of jobs out there that need to be filled, but if you don't love what you do, what are you doing? Right. You know, I don't want everybody quit their jobs right now, but at the end of the day, you got to find some love in it. 
you know what I mean? I think I think um, there's a there's a statement that we often use, and I feel we use it incorrectly. And and the statement says it's not about weathering the storm; it's about learning to dance in the rain. You've heard that before, right? right. So I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say to me in the middle of a of a trial or some struggle that they have is like, "Well, I'm weathering the storm." And I think they're misquoting it. I think the idea is, remember, what we're looking to do is dance in the rain. When this struggle comes on, that should be our happy place. If it's not, then you've got to find some other struggle that you enjoy. Right. And that's what creates, I mean, if you're in the gym and you see some crazy fitness addict, it's not because they want to be the crazy fitness addict, it's because they love that grind. And that's what the byproduct is, incredible fitness. Same thing with people that um, you know create Amazon or Alibaba or Tesla. It's not that that they wanted to create a, a, a online retailing marketplace or an electric car that's better than anything else. They just want to innovate, mm -hmm. and that's every day of their life, every second of their life. Their desire is to be in that storm and dance in it. That's a good way to look at it. It's what they love to do. Yeah. It's a good place to end, too, because it's raining. So now that we're done, we can both go out and dance in the rain. All right. <laughs> well, Ryan, thank you for joining me. This has really been an interesting topic. It was, of course. It was interesting and enjoyable to explore this with you um, about uh, some advice on how our listeners can find that work-life balance. Um, just a reminder, if you're interested in information on services provided by JGS Insurance, please visit them online at www.jgsinsurance.com. And for more resources and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.caipadelval.org. Thanks for listening.